Join Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin for a new monthly edition of the Capital Ideas Podcast. It's your look inside one of the world's largest asset managers. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Invest 30 minutes today. American Funds Distributors, Inc. Do you love Elon Musk? Do you hate Elon Musk? Do you have no idea what to think about Elon Musk? Then we have just the show for you. He's become even more larger than life. Buying Twitter doesn't get us closer to Mars. They are like really close to the edge of like everything falling apart. Like, oh, Elon, I volunteer, put a chip in my brain. Each week on this podcast, we'll break down, analyze and debate the most important stories on Musk and his empire. It's all one big universe. You just work for Elon Inc. From Bloomberg Businessweek, this is Elon Inc. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. Let's get to Thomas Taw. He is our guest for the uh, segment. Thomas is head of APAC iShares Investment Strategy at BlackRock, who joins from our studios in Hong Kong. It's always a pleasure, Thomas. Thanks for coming in to spend some time with us. I think we got to talk about this pivot on the part of uh, COVID policy in China. A lot of enthusiasm in uh, risk assets over the last couple of days. Is this a game changer, do you think? Yeah, good morning. Uh, great to be back. So, I mean, in terms of the, the turnaround, at least in terms of asset prices, I mean, I'm not sure I've ever seen such a volatile rebound in my whole life. I mean, offshore Chinese tech companies are up nearly 50 percent in the last six weeks. Um, I think there's a couple things going on here. I mean, obviously, the, the softening of the COVID stance is, is, a, is a huge thing for investors. Um, I, I think primarily it kind of started with a lot of short covering that was happening. Uh, you can kind of see that when you look at offshore Chinese performance versus onshore, where offshore has performed uh, significantly better. Those were kind of the names that were more heavily shorted. So uh, in terms of positioning, investors sort of racing to number one, cover shorts, number two, get closer back to neutral in terms of their portfolios because we have seen investors been, be underweight uh, Chinese equities over the last two years. And obviously, with performance uh, uh, going the way that it is since uh, in the last six weeks, investors kind of need to chase that in such a difficult, a difficult year. So I don't think a lot has changed fundamentally. Uh, you know, clearly, there's, there's going to be a shift to reopening, but it, it's, going to be, it's going to be slow. It's going to be quite hard to predict. You know, what you're talking about uh, the most populated country in the world, one of the biggest land masses. So, you know, how that how that road actually uh, starts to unfold, no one's really uh, no one really knows. But it's obviously changed uh, the way that investors are looking at, at China overall. And I think, you know, f for our investors, you know, what's happened is not so much. Uh, a change in fundament fundamental view on China and moving into Chinese equities directly, but investors have actually been buying uh, the the economies which are net beneficiaries of the reopening. So Taiwan, South Korea have seen significant inflows uh, over the last two months. I think actually November for Taiwan mm -hmm. Taiwanese equities was probably the, the the largest inflows we'd seen in the last 15 years. So they're they're trying to play the they're trying to play the reopening without moving directly back into China at this point. I think. Well, we've got the MSCI China index up better by 18% over the past month. Uh, how much more upside do you think there is to go? Well, I think, you know, it, going into the, the end of the year, it, it certainly looks to me like this will, will continue because, I mean, even when, you, when you've started to see a lot of volatility in the U.S. over the last couple of days, investors have continued to buy uh, Chinese equities. So, you know, again, I think we, this, this kind of goes into the end of the year. Then investors start to look at how to allocate next year. Um, I think that the message is clear that investors need to have some kind of China exposure in their portfolio. But whether they do that investing directly into China or into Chinese primary tr primary trade partners, that, that's that's what we're we're yet to see. So um, you know, it, it it certainly looks like an area where investors can 
uh, put some risk to work given you know our views on on the rest of the world and particularly us us equities where we're we're slightly less optimistic Okay, maybe you see the possibility of a recession here. I think Goldman right now sees a 30, uh, 35% chance of a soft landing, so that gives us, what, 65% that it's going to be a lot harder than that? If the situation in China is going to be a slow and steady recovery, how do you want to be exposed to that? I understand the short covering argument. That, that speaks to a lot of the price action that we have seen recently, but longer term, I know you get involved with investment strategy, but take a wide shot here. Give me a little the macro view. Do you want to be exposed to the consumer in China going forward? Well, that's I mean that's that's the play that looks the most obvious at the moment. You know, for our investors, there's a clear differentiation between offshore, which is more consumer discretionary tech. You know, that's I think the reason why that's performed so well over the last six weeks. If you take the, the short covering out of it, um, you know, these are these are the names uh, which, from a valuation perspective, are very very interesting. You know, this this huge regulatory crackdown we've seen over the last two years in the tech space that that looks like it's kind of peaked. You know, we've been saying that for a few months now, but that looks like it's peaked. So uh, that, those are also the, the vehicles which are much easier for uh, for offshore investors to to access, whether that's through ADRs or through through Stock Connect or whatever it is or just going directly into Hong Kong. Um, but on onshore, you know, those are the names in terms of the, the older economy, longer term, that look quite interesting because that's kind of the way that Premier Xi has, has positioned in terms of common prosperity, et cetera. Uh, and those are kind of the names which are more net beneficiaries of fiscal and monetary easing, which still looks to be the base case for, for the PBOC. So I think over the longer term, the, those, those onshore names look, look quite interesting. Let's take a look on the other side of the Pacific. We do get U.S. CPI numbers next week. Uh, what signs can you see that inflation might be easing? And do you think there's a risk things could actually end up easing faster than expected? Um, you know, for us, in terms of the overall framework, we are sort of looking the other way. So, uh, yes, head, the headline number looks like it's it has peaked. Um, you know, that that's I don't think that's uh, any any particularly. Uh, any uh, nothing particularly uh, significant. We we always kind of expected that. The difference for us in the framework is that we don't see the Fed actually cutting rates next year. So you know whether you want to see the terminal rate or whether you think the terminal rate is going to be five or five point two five or four point eight five, whatever it is. Our view is that they, the the Fed will stick there for twenty twenty three. So um, you know looking to this two percent inflation target, we don't think it's realistic. At some point, the Fed will have to realize that two percent is is not going to happen. At that point, um, you know you might start to to price in a pivot, but for us it's it's way too way too early. So we're not actually seeing a, a pivot uh, uh, next year. We think that the Fed will will probably stick, which is why we're we're less optimistic or underweight on, on U.S. equities. All right. So I'm going to imagine then you're going to think that the dollar will remain stable. I mean, maybe a little bit of fluctuation, but we're not going to see a, a big move one way or the other. But let me pivot to, to crypto because I'd like to get your take about the meltdown in FTX and how that's impacted psychology. Can you give me that in about 60 seconds, your view on the connection between what we saw in crypto and investor sentiment as we move into 2023? Sure. Uh, I should probably caveat by saying we don't actually have any crypto type uh, ETFs, but and we don't actually cover it. But in terms of the sentiment, I think it it's impacted the retail investor. It hasn't really impacted the institutional investor, which is who who we speak to. So, you know, a month ago when this started happening, there were some questions around contagion. You know, equities are up 15, 20 percent since then. So I, I don't think it's a it's a big deal for institutional investors. But obviously, on the retail space, it's a little bit more significant. 
Um, just quickly, we've got a few seconds left. Uh, what's your biggest risk heading into the end of the year? The biggest risk going into the end of the year, I think, is that you know we have one, uh, whether you want to call it bad or good data print, like we saw with, with the, 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 the consumer number uh, a couple of days ago, uh, and investors start to realize that the risk rally is over and, and they start to position uh, into next year by, by selling off the, 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 uh, the positive returns we've seen over the last month. All right, Thomas Tor, thanks so much for joining us on Bloomberg Daybreak Asia. Thomas is head of APAC iShares Investment Strategy at BlackRock. To address our new climate reality, the world needs radical solutions. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment, hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Get 20% off using promo code RADIO20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival.